Hello and welcome to part two of the Flamcast, where myself and Scott continue on our natterings about Grand Tours and everything related to them. Um, so enjoy the second part of this episode and uh, we'll talk to you soon. We should have another episode out um, just after the World Championship, so maybe the end of this week, maybe early next week. Thanks for your time, guys, and enjoy the episode. Able to watch. I suppose, I, I yeah, I do see your point now and that it, the myth of the, the Tour of France was written strong there and mm. from a sporting point of view you you may feel as if you you missed your finale but from a mythical point of view the tour of france what what an ending you know you, you, if someone directed this as a film nah that's too far-fetched pal no that'll, that'll never go down in theaters that'll never go down and it's often said like you know real life is much more interesting than than the movies and it, it proved this way i suppose Let's just just recap on the 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 jerseys and everything else. I suppose uh, as we said, uh, Bernal overall winner. Uh, Sagan took the points jersey. Some random French dude took the polka dot jersey. Min- <laughs> minced around. Uh, white jersey was Bernal, and of course the team was. Oh, um, I mean, it's, it's as predictable now as Sagan winning the green jersey. Movie star taking a, a a team classification. Yeah, it is really, and I suppose it, it, it's even more comical considering how unteam like they are. It really. Yeah, is. I mean, I think it really is proof that there is a god, and he's he's just a devious bastard who's who's really up on irony. Yeah, I I, I take that, and I. I it still it still amuses me that Alejandro Valverde is still such a a dominant force and such a, a such a a force in such a way that you just don't know what you're going to get with him as well. Um, and it just you, he should be just gone out of the sport for years. But you can't but help admire him for his for his tenacity and his ability to ride a bike. But at the end of the day, he shouldn't. He just shouldn't be around. Like. No. Um, I think we've got to look at Enios because despite taking two jerseys out of the biggest Grand Tour of them all and in a race that has been always, has always been their focus since the, the team's inception, you know, thinking back famously to that statement from uh um, Dave Brailsford about we will win the Tour de France with a British rider within five years it still felt like a, a very unsky-like performance from the team now known as Ineos. Yeah and I think it, that's probably what what added to the excitement of it was we didn't have the Ineos train, we didn't have um, the domination that we normally come to expect and plus as well, we had the friction between uh, Bernal and Thomas and you weren't quite sure who was going to rise up towards the end because, you know, uh, Bernal shipped quite a bit of time in the, in the TT, um, a, a lot more than I expected to him. Um, and they they were pulling, they were, there were seconds here and they were losing seconds there and, you know, uh, they, they, yeah, it didn't really look like the Ineos of old at all at all. And I, I have a long-term theory, and I think I have a an article, the thousand-word article at the moment, about the the possible pivot that's currently happening at at, at Ineos. I suppose to, to summarise it, I think um, their model previously was buy the best lieutenants that you can buy. 
uh, Roach, Kiwatowski, uh, Pools, Henau, uh, guys that could challenge for GC, but will be fourth, fifth, sixth. Pay him enough money, get him to ride for a singular rider, get him to ride for one one dominant leader, and use him in that way, shape, or form. I think in the last eighteen months, maybe two years, you've seen Sky not sign that rider. If you go back and look at uh, Kiwatowski, probably you haven't really seen that rider sign for Sky in the last while. If Sky, if they signed other riders, you know, and they, they've brought in other riders, but they haven't signed those kind of riders. And what they've done, whether it's been by decision, by fluke, or I don't know what, they've now got um, this year's uh, Giro winner, this year's Tour of France winner, last year's Tour of France winner, last year's Giro winner, and you know that's Bernal Carapaz, Thomas and Froome. Um, they've got what looks like to be two options for every Grand Tour, and instead of being aggressive and controlling the race, they're now going to be passive, let other riders take it up, and let them kind of sit in the wheels, follow the moves, and be passive on the on it. And then at the Queen stage, decisive, decisive stage or decisive point in in a race, uh, one of their two riders will take it up and look to take on the jersey at that point. And I think that's whether it's by design, by default, or just how they've recruited in the last while. I think that's that's the the, the pivot they're going to make over the next short while. I, and I know you've had this. B and you, you bonnet about the absence of, of Rod Ellingworth being a, a kind of death knell for, for the team, if I'm not maybe overstating that a bit. And, I, and I'm not, you know, saying you're you're wrong or that I, I disagree with what, what you're saying, but I, I would wonder whether there's, there's equally a case for pointing to 2019 as just being a series of unfortunate events as as valid a reason for them being as poor as as anything else, and and make no mistake, they have been pretty bad as as a team almost throughout uh, twenty nineteen, despite the the successes that, that they have had. Um, I mean, I I think Egan Bernal breaking his collarbone ahead of the the Giro and and Froome's terrible crash at the the Dauphiné totally screwed things up for how. You know, if not two, three Grand Tours were going to be to be ridden. I think Geraint Thomas was essentially a shadow of the rider who won the Tour last year and made some bizarre tactical moves like chasing after uh, Egan Bernal and essentially towing rivals along with him. I remember criticising him yep. all, on the day for that. I thought it was, it was very strange. I thought he was himself poor at, at the time trial, never mind... Uh, Egan Bernal's performance. Um, so maybe we should we should table this and and come back to it and come back to it this time next year, and and say, actually, yeah, Derek, you were you were totally right there. It is Rod Ellingworth, and it is or has been uh, a, an unwillingness or, or just missed opportunities in terms of signing the the key domestiques that they've needed over the past two seasons. Um, or alternatively, we come back to this point next year and say, yeah, 2019 was the the aberration. Uh, they've they've come back the way that we've we've seen them in in 2018, 17, 16, so on and so forth. 
Yeah, I suppose it, it it can only be looked at in a in a in a small picture format at the moment. We can't compare it to uh, 2018, 2017 yet because it's and you know it, it's just a it, it's a result that's occurred, and we have to look at it as that result. I I suppose uh, the, the BMI bond about Ellingworth was when I spoke to any other journalist. I'm not calling myself a journalist, but any other journalist. Um, about Ellingworth, and I was, I you know, asked him what did he do with the team? Was he the trainer? Was he physical manager? Or was he strength and conditioning? What did Rod do? And the answer I got most commonly was everything. Um, and to replace someone like that, it takes quite a bit of adjustment. Sure, there's a long tail of projects, work that he's put in previously before he left, probably still taking effect to this day. But to take up the slack from that sometimes takes change and when change happens in a team sometimes things don't happen accordingly or don't happen in the predicted manner and what may happen or what we may find out is that instead of there just being one Rod Ellingworth replacement next year in 2020 there might be two three people doing the the same job and they've carved out okay well we need to so we need to carve out this part of the job and that's that person's job you look after this and the third person looks looks after that uh, and that can take a bit of time and it's like you know signing two or three mountain domestiques at the at the one time and trying to bed them in i think it's going to take a bit of transition i don't think rod ellingworth was the the savior of that team or was the you know the brains behind it all. i just think because of his position as every you know they did everything at that team he is going to be it's going to take a bit of transition for them to move on from him and look i may be 100 percent wrong on that and there may be completely another another reason for this uh and no one's no one's talked about this all season this is the first season that we've seen that tramadol has been banned and we've seen some writers i'm not pointing at any writers but we've seen some writers completely off the boil we've seen some writers um missed targets we've seen some writers been very very poor around targets and i wonder is that a reflection of the bank coming into place and we we as outsiders will never know that but it, it could be a factor as well and i'm i'm not going down the tin half tin foil hat brigade route or anything like that but i do think it's something that's been quite overlooked this season and hasn't really been mentioned um without and i like i said yeah i don't mean to be pointing fingers at anyone but as a factor in why some riders may be off may not be uh, able to do the job they were previously able to do or just generally you know that it could be a I think that could be affecting the season, but it hasn't been really mentioned at all. Mm. Um, I mean, I think one of the other things, having asked a few questions, one of the other things that I think has affected Enios this year in terms of, of their Grand Tours is having a leader who will actually tell the team what he needs each day. Um, because as, as I understand it, Geraint Thomas doesn't do that. Whereas Chris Froome does, he yeah. absolutely tells you what. I mean, you can say what you like about Chris Froome, and I know everybody has has their own opinion of the guy. But from my understanding, Froome certainly does marshal that team the way he wants them to ride day in day out. Getting isn't used to doing it, doesn't like doing it, kind of plays it more by ear. Egan Bernal, I think, is too young really to have felt he was in a position to do it this year even though he was going in as a kind of co-leader of, of that team, I think there's a difference between coming into 
the Tour de France at 22 are, but you're still riding for the defending champion and being there if the defending champion should falter at any point. I think there's a big difference between that and being able to come in and go, hey, Wood Pools, this is what you're doing today. Hey, Ian Stannard, this is what you're doing today and this is what I need. I think I, it takes a few years of riding in the peloton and a, and a really strong team to to have that confidence, if it's in you at all. And it's one of the things I think that, that makes a Grand Tour winner as much as strength in the legs and, and luck and so on and so forth is the ability to lead a team. And, and I don't know whether they've, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's an area that they've been lacking in um, as well this year. Um, would you think that's a, a problem that has happened at uh, movie star as well? That because of the stoic nature of Quintana, that he doesn't communicate very well. Whether the the plan is, uh, Naira, we're going to ride for you today. You will attack on the Alp, and you will take back two minutes. And in some way, shape, or form, Naira knows he doesn't have the legs, um, and doesn't doesn't tell him. And then when he does have the legs. The plan is, uh, Alejandro, we're going to ride for a stage for you. You know, that they, again, to your point, that they're not clearly focused, they're not clearly defined, and they're not behind the, the, the correct goal, and the goals keep shifting. So if the goals keep shifting, for in the case of Movie Star, you end up with the confusion and different riders up the road and riders chasing riders. And in the Sky case, um, you know, if you don't have, if you don't have, I won't say a dominant leader. If you don't have a, a leader that you can believe in and that uh, requires a specific job of you, then you go, eh, you know what? Maybe I don't really need to do that. Eh, maybe I don't really need to ride that hard. Uh, and it just, yeah, I, I, it's an interesting one. I, would, I would, It's not one I would have thought of about Sky. Um, and I suppose if you look back at last year um, when I did the team time trial, um, even though Thomas was in yellow, um, they weren't going to stop for him. They were only going to stop for Froome. Um, you know that's it, it. It takes it takes a bit of getting used to 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 that leader status and um, to dominating the team and asking riders to do stuff for you. And even you f- you find that outside of that of um, you know grand tour winners and grand tour riders if a rider drops down say from world tour to pro conti or conti for example and um, because their 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 job may be lead out man their job may be rule air to you know ride in the valleys to close down the brakes when you drop down that level to pro conti or continental you're you're required to win and you're required to get results if you haven't done that for two, three, four years and your job is, you know, get me to the foot of the mountain and then you pull the pin, it, it, it takes a while for that transition to take place. And uh, to your point, yeah, I do think that's an interesting point for, from Sky. And I suppose the one thing I've always been saying about Bernal is he is a huge talent, but he is a huge potential talent. Um, how he handles uh, a three-week grand tour going into yellow, you know, day three, day four, and holding it all the way, dealing with the press conferences. I know, for example, Alaphilippe this year, because he'd been in yellow for so many days, he was allowed to skip one press conference, or was allowed to skip uh, the, the post-race stuff, so he took that opportunity to, to skip it. But, you know, even this is, he's an older rider, he's a more mature rider, 
um, and he took that opportunity. How someone like Bernal will take take that on board? Will he be too eager? Will he be too excited? Will he be? You know, all that builds up, and that's that's why you know a lot of times they would have said that a, a Grand Tour rider really comes into the stride when they're twenty six, twenty seven, twenty eight, and onwards. Um, and it just does take that time to learn ropes and command the team it's an interesting one that i wouldn't have thought of about thomas and about the team and it's going to be interesting one now to see how they marshal those riders so for example carapaz thomas Froome, bernal you know pick three of those put them into a grand tour who's going to who's going to ride for who yeah exactly and, and you're absolutely right i mean it says a kind of open secret in, in cycling and cycling and it doesn't take much to to work it out nairo quintana is a very stoic rider he doesn't give much away but that as far as we're led to believe from multiple sources is just how the guy is it's a personality thing he he is very much someone who keeps himself to himself and as i was mentioning about getting thomas he he is the kind of guy apparently just in in and of himself his his personality is such that he just likes to take things as they come it's not necessarily you know me or anybody saying that in that personality type between those two guys, that there's there's a failing per se, but it certainly is a, a, a problem when it comes to leading a team because you need a type of personality that is able to, you know, just say, look, this is how I need it. This is how we're going to have to race. And here's how I want it done. And if you're not that type of guy, it does lead to, to problems. I mean, I think by the time we got to this year with, with Nairo and, and coming into the, the Vuelta, if it hadn't been all along, then we could definitely say that we had Alejandro Valverde's movie star and what was left was kind of piecemeal for, for Nairo Quintana. Um, there was some ex- astonishing stuff going the the Vuelta this year, and I think a lot of that comes from the fact that Valverde is is that mature experience and also the type of personality that is able to to command respect within a team, and that the domestiques and the guys riding behind will walk over broken glass for for that rider to be in the lead at the end of the day that's what they're paid for but that's also what they desperately want to do day in day out and i i've never suspected that the nairo was ever the kind of guy that that would be as vocal and and upfront about demanding that that kind of respect because He's just not that that type of bloke. He just doesn't have that that personality. No, he doesn't. But at the same time, uh, I suppose since we're starting to touch on the Vuelta, the echelon stage, um, what was it? There was 47 riders up the road um, and it looked like Nairo had gone rogue. Um, But at the same time, the two guys that he had with with him from Movistar were the two uh, rulers, the two heavyweights, the two guys that needed to be there to protect him in the wind, needed to be there to get him into the, the, the echelons, needed to be there to get him away. So um, it's 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 a strange one that those two guys rode like that for the day. If, I suppose my point is, why they did that confuses me because it was a perfect tactic, perfectly executed, 
together as a team. Um, and you could see even, I know afterwards there was a lot of questions about Valverde attacking towards the end. And it, they, they, they sometimes at the end of a stage, at the end of a stage, the narrative is given to suit what happened on the road. Um, so yeah. you never, you never do really get the, 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 the true story, but I, I do take the point that they were trying to get rid of some of the Yumbo riders there, but I don't know. It, it seemed like a, it seemed like an executed plan, but everything else went to shit for movie star everywhere else throughout that whole felt and has done for the last couple of years. So it just, it bothers me that they can execute something as cunning and as smart and as intelligent as that. And yet, can't have the right riders in the right place and can't have, can't protect uh, Nairo when he, when he needed it or can't use Valverde when they should use him. And just, I suppose, it, again, it was the, it was the rule that proved the exception. Like, Yeah. I mean, they, they really are at times, if not all of the time, a, a riddle wrapped up in a mystery inside a, a, an, an LSD. Uh, well, I was going to say an LSD tablet, but um, an enigma is, it, just as good as I suppose the the echelon stage at the Vuelta I mean I, it looked I mean John talked about it on the day saying that it looked superbly executed but by the same token <laughs> just assume it was by accident if 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 nothing else um I mean I, I was more annoyed by Astana that day than I was um Movistar I mean putting aside the Yes, we've got uh, Valverde's movie star attacking Quintana's movie star. But really, what was happening there was Valverde back in the bunch with the rest of um, Team Movie Star were isolating Primoz Roglic. And I think they did that really, really well. But what really got me about that stage was as soon as that happened and Roglic was left isolated, Astana went to the front and dug him out what on earth are you guys doing? You know, you should have just been sitting back and, and putting the pressure on Rodzlich to ride. He's the guy that's in the race lead. He's got a competitor several minutes up the road who, if he doesn't do anything, will be challenging for his jersey. Make him ride. And even if you personally don't get anything out of that day, what you have done, surely, is tire out the overall favourite for the race. And you can exploit that in the days to come. Yeah, what's the old Henny, Henny Kuiper saying? Uh, make your rival finish his own plate first before you start yours. That's uh, the one, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I suppose the cynic in me says what we're Astana at, increasing Vino's bank balance. Um, <laughs> well, that case is still to go to trial. Yes, <laughs> but but I suppose yeah. Look, let's let's look at Astana as a whole for the 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 three Grand Tours. Um, in Jakob Fulsangen, they probably had the most consistent rider this season. You could mm. you could say Rogelik or Fulsang were were the, were the most consistent rider this season. Um, and yet they've come away with two white jerseys. Um, I don't think Lopez looks like winning a Grand Tour anytime soon. He can't time trial for butter. And I just they are they are a team that can probably challenge for one Grand Tour. Um, but they don't have the depth, and they 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 struggled quite a bit this year, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, you were talking about Nairo Quintana there, and and then referencing Miguel Angel Lopez. 
you know, it, we've always talked about how Nairo has forever been looking like he's waiting, always waiting, waiting, waiting. He's, he's like a pro cyclist, as imagined by Samuel Beckett. Lopez, on the other hand, seems to forget he's in a bike race most of the time. And when he does remember, he's like a kitten chasing a, a, a torch beam round, round the room. It's always attack, 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 except it's too late and the race has already gotten away from him. His time trialling, as you, you rightly say, is a, is a big issue. But it also seems that his tactical nouns is, while willing, not always the smartest. A lot of opportunities, I felt, were, were missed in, in attacking at the right time and putting pressure on, on Roglic. And all the attacks that we saw come from, from Lopez were right at the death. You know, it's like, well, you've got several minutes to catch up now. What, what on earth are you doing? And the only reasonable and, and logical answer to that is trying to go for the the Young Riders jersey <laughs> rather than what was surely his stated ambition at the start of the races is challenging for the red jersey. Yeah, I suppose the only other thing you could think that he was trying to attack just to keep Fino happy so he didn't shoot him. But... <laughs> is that, yeah. Suddenly got the phone call that his family were in a, in a basement somewhere. Yes. Uh, um, Miguel, what is your IBAN number? Your big number? <laughs> we're, just, we're just going to empty your account now. Um, yeah, look, I suppose, again, it, it's kind of like the Bernal thing. Bernal is, is a ball of potential. Um, and I think there's, we're now starting to see with Lopez that level of potential level off. Um, will he refocus himself? Will he try take on one week races? Um, will he try do something else? Is, is the question now? Um, he seems to. Um, he seems to. <sighs> Yeah, he seems to pick up the white jersey quite easily. Um, but, yeah, like you said, kind of the opposite of Nairo, where you're waiting, waiting, he just attacks when, yeah, he's like a, a, a GC, GC version of Matty Morich. Um, you know, you can uh, you can expect a Morich attack stupidly somewhere in the middle of a race, um, in a one-day race or something like that, and you can expect the same from Lopez. He hasn't been great this year. I do think, I suppose, for a GC rider... Um, like Landa, his 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 time trial let him down quite a bit. And and back briefly to to Nairo, obviously him moving away from from Movistar to our Ar- Kia Samzik is, I suppose everyone's asking, is that going to be a good move for him or is it the end of career, keep the the bank account happy move? Well, I suppose at least it's not dead data. Um, and he's getting a few riders to come with him, so you'd hope you'd have hope for him. Um, I can't see him winning a a a, a Grand Tour ever again. Um, I can see him probably been a bit more aggressive. Um, I can probably see him, you know, probably challenging for something stupid like a points jersey for a polka dot jersey, um, and trying to maybe take you know take on a couple of stages. And maybe throwing the head and leaving a stage go and losing a few minutes, losing ten, fifteen minutes. I think he he, he could be better off deployed like that. I think it would be better for Arkea Samsic to have him ride like that, to have him ride and win you know, win two, three stages of Giro Vuelta tour 
and then come sixth, you know, and be third, fourth, eighth on you know the the, the mountain stages. I think it probably would be a better better proposition from all around. But I, I I don't know. He's he's brought across a few strong domestiques, um. So it's hard to know what way they're going to play that. As it's a, it's like the the sky Ineos thing, in in kind of macro, um. You know, it's it's hard to, it's hard to know. Um, it's it's going to be a strange one. It's going to be a strange one. Plus, as well, are they stepping up to World Two or are they staying pro Conti? I think they're staying in pro Conti, but obviously there are big ambitions and they they want to move up uh, at some point. I don't think it's going to be into twenty twenty. Um, but yeah, I, I believe that the, the the team that they're building, unless I've missed. Uh, you know, a news item on this: the team that they seem to want to build is one that has world tour ambitions. Uh, so clearly, a, a longer-term plan, and maybe bringing in someone like Nairo and seeing how he performs with that team across 2020 might actually be enough to persuade some yeah. other big riders to to come to the team in the future and expand the budget and stuff like that. But yeah. I, um. Are they down for selection for uh, the tour? Are they are they on a wild card, or will they? Or is it based on points for next year? Again, I I, I don't know. I'd, I'd need to kind of look look into that to to find out. Um, yeah. Of course, everything is changing yeah. ne- next year, so a lot will inevitably come when when all these things are announced by the UCI. In what well, it's usually. October, November time, isn't it? On a Friday at 11pm in a press <laughs> exactly, race. Yeah, when everybody's gone home. Oh, cynics. I suppose, yeah, since we've moved on to the, um, onto the Vuelta, um, I know John probably thinks, uh, you know, he, he has said that probably the, the Vuelta was his next favourite. Um, I, I felt, uh, whereas the tour, the rhythm of the tour was quite nice. And it moved along, and it was your little bit of tapas, you know, your mountain, your flat, your kind of intermediate stage. I think that the, the there was a the rhythm of the Vuelta was off this year with the parkour. I think um, it it didn't get the the balance right. Um, I do think the the section in Asturias was very very lovely, but again, we didn't get the weather for it. Um, and again, you can't legislate for that. But I do think the rhythm for the parkours was off. I do think that. Um, the, yeah, the, the the intermediate stages, like, you know, you wouldn't see this in any other Grand Tour where the break was getting 15, 20 minutes and literally the boys in the bunch were, you know, cigars at the front. Hey, pass the rosé, pass the rosé, please. Um, you know, there was there was no attempted chase. You know, even if you, in the intermediate stages or transition stages in the, in the Tour, you'll see the break get five minutes maybe six, maybe seven and it's well controlled, well drilled and, uh, you know, even the lesser sprinter teams have an interest in bringing the bringing the brake back and keeping it controlled. On the intermediate and transition stages here, no, the brake was given away. Lads, or you know, kilometer zero, kilometer one, kilometer two. There was a, a, a you know a brake going, and there, there was no interest in, in chasing it down. Um, I just think that I felt the rhythm was off a bit on that. But um, I suppose the other thing that I took from it was, um, Pajakar really arrived. Um, three stages cannot be denied, and I I do think he's the coming man for the next couple of years. Where he goes or where he goes to is going to be very interesting. I I do think he will be snapped up by one of the bigger and better teams eventually. Um, 
but yeah, no, I thought it was a, I thought probably, you know, tour probably was the best grand tour this year, probably best, best tour of France in maybe 10 years, but I would put the Vuelta and the, the Giro joint second. I, I couldn't split them overall um, just because of the, the GC battle in the Vuelta this year. I think it was uh, very good. Um, but yeah, um, what do you think yourself of the parkours and what do you think of the, the, the arrival of Pogicar and a few other bits and pieces like that? Well, strangely enough, in the, the Vuelta preview show, I said, you know, this is an odd looking parkour. There was no there was no rhythm to it. There's no balance to it, just like you, you've said. And, and it, it really did prove to be that that way. I mean, I mean, certainly, as I mentioned right at the top of the show about how we're now past that era where Grand Tours have a formula, sprinters weak, uh, Mario Cipollini gets off, and you know, then other stuff happens, then it's the, the, the GC battle. We're not seeing that anymore, but even by that metric, the Vuelta didn't feel in any way like it was a, a sorry to use a, 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 phrase, a phrase uh, favoured by Velon, there was any narrative to it, it just felt like Sorry, I really do apologise. I'm going to go and go for a shower after this, having brought their name to to the show. Um, it really did feel like little bits of of races that were just glued together. Yeah. Uh, to to become a, a a grand tour, but oddly, for much of the time, it actually seemed to to benefit the race. I, I talked about how the the Giro was much more of that kind of traditional route, and and how I felt it was maybe a wee bit different. In gluing all those individual stages together, it seemed to be that certainly for, I would say, two-thirds of it, if not more, the Vuelta gave us something new and exciting and something to talk about every day. The wildcard teams, I thought, were really good. But Iturias win was the highlight of the entire three weeks for me. I, I thought that was a fantastic stage. I will agree with you that it, it kind of it lost something along the way. And, and for me, it was perhaps in those last few mountain stages, which were broken up by a couple of sprinter stages that were a little less exciting than I thought they, they would be or they should be. The, the traditionally completely local Vuelta climbs were, were to be found in the short, sharp, moor de on steroids type yep. things that, that we got. And the, and the bigger, longer climbs felt a, a little bit lacking um as, as regards breakaways and stuff I, I was more kind of disgruntled and this was part of my point about Jumbo Visma not being challenged enough that you got days where you had four or five climbs as intermediate ones before there's one stage in particular that finished on an especial climb and you had Tony Martin leading the peloton for hour after hour it was a 19-man, I think, group up the road fighting each other all the way because there was all that polka dot jersey battle going on within it with, between um, Asnada and, and, and Bouchard. So they're knocking lumps out of each other, but they still managed to get a, you know half a dozen minutes or so. And Tony Martin's the guy that's leading them over mountain climbs and the peloton itself is over 100 strong. That's a team that's being allowed to just sit and cruise at the front, that's not a team that's knocking their pan in for five hours. 
yeah, so no. that everybody else is shattered before the the especial climb to finish, and that's what I meant about other teams not actually taking it to a Jumbo Visma who, by that measure, were taking it too easy. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and it, it you could see in a few points, uh, you know, the echelon stage where Roger got caught out. Uh, I think. Uh, Paulus and Tony Martin were actually in that 47-man group at the start and were pulled back. Um, and a few times, they just, they seem to melt, they seem to melt away quite quickly. Mm, mm. Um, and even, I mean, and that's fine because Rogelich is demonstrably the strongest rider in, in the race. But I mean, if there was one thing that, that John and I talked about going into the race was that that stage, what was it, 10 the big time trial in the middle where we expected Rogelich to put serious time into everybody should have been a marker, should have been the point at which everybody said, right, a line has been drawn. Here's how much time we need to make back. Let's look at all the opportunities we have in the second half of the race to bring them back. And by and large, nobody seemed up for doing it for, for whatever reason. I mean, they just could have, all been on their knees, but I, I just felt that there was too many times you're going, look, he doesn't look, you know, there was a, a one day in particular, the day before he was, I mean, John talked about how graceful he looked on the bike that day. Everything just seemed, you know, isn't that, that great French word? There was no effort. It was just suppressed, just this wonderful pedaling style. The next day he was kind of struggling to hold the wheel. And I'm going, if I was a, an Astana, a Movistar DS in the car, watching that i'd be screaming you know pressure on now put the pressure on him now uh, but it just it didn't seem to to happen at all uh the other thing you asked me sorry was about uh pogacar and I, I he was my pick before the race i i admitted it was an outside bet but i i thought he he would do really well if there was any faltering within the guys like Rogelich, then pogacar would go and announce himself on on the the World Tour Grand Tour stage. Um, showed a couple of weak points, I guess, in, in, in the third week, but but Jesus, he's, he's only just started shaving, so I think we can probably forgive him that. Yeah, and uh, I did hear quite early on that the... Oh, that the team doctor had come out and they were keeping they were monitoring him day by day because they didn't know how far he would go. Um, not they were going to do a Cipollini and he'd do the first uh, 10 stages, I see the mountains, I go home. Um, <laughs> but they were, you know, they... I suppose um, this comes to the other point, you know, about this this whole year being the arrival of the, the young rider, but um, they wanted to monitor him. They wanted to make sure that they didn't put him into the red, that they didn't deplete him too much, that they didn't um, destroy him for next year. Um, and I know some riders have said, you know, that when they do a Grand Tour, the body just absorbs that work. And it's unlike anything else, you know, you can't replicate it in training. You just can't, you, you know, you can... The intensity is completely different. Um, the just even holding wheels, accelerating out of the bends, all that sort of stuff just adds up. And just to, to have that amount of work into the body, um, and whether he becomes stronger next year, or whether his defenses, his body is weakened, he is he gets Epstein Barr or something like that can happen to him. You know, it can go one of you know it can go a couple of different ways. So he's going to be really really interesting to see how he goes next year. Whether he absorbs that work, whether they delay his his Grand Tour next year and bring him to the Tour of France and have him go for stages because you know just 
build him up again gradually and maybe the, the, the Giro might be a bit too soon. Um but yeah, he looks like a, a right talent and he looks um you know, I was talking to uh Jimmy Blanchfield of Premier Endurance, who's a guy who coached me. Uh he coaches some continental and pro continental level riders, uh very good rider in his own right, uh, runs his own company, everything else, has his degree in sports science and he said even looking at Podicar, he, he's he's dropped a couple of KGs and you go back two years and he was he was tearing legs off people in Lavenier and, you know, long climbs, literally just time trotting up him. And you can see he's the same sort of rider now, just lighter. Um, and that's, if he keeps developing like that, he will be a, a, an out-and-out talent. Whether he turns into a Grand Tour rider, where he turn, not, not turns into a Grand Tour rider, where he turns into a GC rider or where he turns into an exciting stage hunter, um, mountain goat, you know, uh, hilly race, Ardennes week type rider is up to him from there but there, there, there's huge potential there and he's one that really excites me definitely uh, I, I think I need to ask you I know this is your show but I, I'm going to have to ask you about uh, about Sam Bennett yeah I, I I really feel like Sam should have gotten the um, the the most aggressive rider because I've never seen one rider take on a whole team like him like he did in the last week so much um, I've never seen Sam with such legs um, ripping the legs off Gilbert when he came around that corner when uh, Cavana was still away he didn't know Cavana was still away at that stage his radio had packed in earlier on the stage and you know on a Gilbert finish um, uphill cobbles and everything else he absolutely ripped the legs off Gilbert um, the day beforehand when Gilbert you know one two of them um, with Stevie <laughs> I, I, you know I, I, it's hard it's hard he rolled the dice in that one um, you know look if he if he had anyone else there at that point to jump and get him 50 metres 100 metres closer to Stevie and he lit the exhaust you know he he just went with his, his sprint I don't think Gilbert would have got back on terms with him because he is, he is just such a sprint I think he'd be very disappointed to lose two field sprints to Jakobsen um, uh, you know the he lost one early on and he lost the last stage I think um, he really should have gone to the Trek um, bus after that last stage and given them a, an absolute bollocking because they swamped that sprint and there was no room for anyone to get out and they were nowhere at the end of it um, but I think he'd be, I, it's it's hard not to be disappointed for a chap but it's hard not to be elated for him as well because you know coming away with uh, two stages um, he could have had possibly five stages which would have been completely off the walls um, but I think you know, he. Uh, I think he's the sprinter of the season this year, and I know people say Ackerman, but Ackerman got a, f- a soft Giro. Um, Viviani didn't have the 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 full complement of the the quick step train there, um, and I just, I, even at that, uh, Ackerman lost the jersey to a pretty poor Demare uh, and barely got it back. And I think Sam has been the rider of the season and has proved it across World Tour races this year. Um, and you know what? I know this is kind of a Grand Tour wrap-up show, but I think if you look at the worlds this year, there's two dark horses for me, uh, Peter Sagan and Sam. I mean, certainly that, that finish you talked about in, in Toledo where he ripped the legs off, as you put it, Philo Gilbert, that wasn't the Sam Bennett that I thought. I knew, the, the, you know, the rider that we expect to be a kind of 
Mark Cavendish type, you know, or, or challenging Caleb Ewan and Ackerman and, and, and so on and so forth, the out-and-out sprinter, anybody that can put that kind of power down at the end of that kind of stage on that kind of finish, yeah, I totally agree with you. He he has to be seen as as a challenger um, going into to Yorkshire. If, if he can do that and, and he now knows he can do that, who knows what else Sam Bennett can achieve? I mean, yeah, I, I see what you're saying about him being disappointed. I, mean, I think there was a, a couple of stages that I that immediately sprang to mind regarding Sam's performance during the, the Vuelta. The first was he made that bad mistake at a roundabout coming into the, the finish, took the wrong way round and lost a dozen at least or so places. Um, that other stage, Deconic Quickstep just mugged him, pure and simple. I, I don't think there's a sprinter or even a classics and, and sprints rider like, say, for example, Sagan. Even a rider like that probably couldn't have won against Deconic Quickstep that day. That's just them doing what they do. So I don't think he can feel too bad about losing out on, on that. Uh, yes, I agree with what happened with uh, Trek Segafredo and, and Madrid. But, yeah, for me, he has been the sprinter of, of the season. Um, Caleb Ewan, I think, did well at the Tour. But looking throughout the season, I wouldn't say that... I wouldn't be left with the impression that, oh, Caleb Ewan's absolutely on fire. As you mentioned, Ackerman, I think, had it quite easy by the absence of, of Elia Viviani and, and all but his, his actual presence being there he just wasn't at the race at all so to have actually worked for the stages that, that he won and be challenging for the stages where he was on the podium I think Bennett is head and shoulders above anybody in, in terms of sprints this year Yeah and I think even that echelon stage like you know he was the only borer to make that break um, at, at 47 riders and even if you looked across it at that point there was Two, three riders from every other team in that in that break, and he was the only Bora rider there. And um, you know, they rode. They had uh, Quickstep had seven riders there that day. The only one that missed, missed it was Ruchesi, and he was down the back of the peloton, having smoking a fag with um, Fernando Gaviria, or you know, make rolling up paper to throw at the teacher because I think uh, those two guys are very, very close friends and are together next year at. at UAE and he was the only one that missed it but yeah you know you no matter I, I think yeah uh, to your point if Sagan if that was Sagan everyone would have been, would have been talking would have been raving about Sagan's ride um, one man against seven uh, in the 47 man break in the echelons all day um, you know it would have been a fantastic ride and I think Sam can't take you know shouldn't dropped the head on that. I think he took massive pride out of that. He rode... It's a case of shoulda, coulda, woulda. Oh, he should have waited. If he waited, would he have caught Stevie? Who knows? He rolled the dice. He did what he thought was right. And if you look back, Monza last year in the Giro, the same sort of thing. You know, they were coming into the finishing, coming into the finishing laps. There was a group away and he took off on the afterburners and he went past the, the, the break who were 10 seconds up the road and he pissed past them and, and took the stage. You know, look, if it works for you, it works for you. And I can't, I can't be critical of him. I can't be critical of him. But as you said, Quickstep just mugged them. They had the numbers there. And if it would have been, it would have been the story of the year 
if Sam had won that stage, mugging seven quick steps. Um, and, you know, I think uh, Lefebvre probably would have called in Vino, uh, called in some friends of Vino's and had someone flog the seven guys or at least, you know, empty their bank balances. But, you know, look, uh, he's he's done terribly well. And to be disappointed, to be slightly disappointed that he didn't win more stages is such an elevation of status that you, you can't be, but be happy for the chap. Definitely, definitely that. Finally, I'm going to pick my 2019 or 2020 Tour of France team. Um, before we get on to that, I've had some nominations from a couple other guys. Um, so just bear with me for one second while I pull these up. Um, our man in Belgium, Connor Lambert, um, the guy I managed on the the, the Ross a couple of years ago, um, he sent me in his team. So his eight riders, and again, the caveat is eight riders, they're going for GC overall, um, not stages. And his eight riders are Bernal, Roglic, Soler, George Bennett, Thomas de Ghent, uh, Durbo, Cavana, and Trenton. His his thought on it is doubleheader GC, two help, two high mountain helpers, rest Durbo, Cavana, de Ghent, probably ride front breakaways. Trenton can do a hell of a lot of work. He's a Swiss Army knife of sprinters. Uh, you've got a good strong team for a team time trial. And, you know, you've got two good options there in the TT. And it's a hard team to isolate on most type of stages. Going on to Jamie's entry, if I can find it here. His his team, Bernal, Roslik, David Godou, Kiotowski, Tim Wellens, De Klerk, Van Avermaet, and Buhis Viviani. <laughs> um, he went with the reasons Bernal will win the Tour, Rogic will be second and super domestique, may may win if the TT has a big mileage. Gadu was outstanding all year for Pino, really rode well. Kiotowski is just pedigree um, and really has been off the, off the boil this year, but if he comes back, he's just such an irreplaceable rider. Um, and, you know, you have Van Avermaet for the first week and Viviani for sprints every so often. My own team, and it's kind of a bit controversial, but we'll go with it. Um, Bernal, Alaphilippe, De Plus, Cus, Valverde, De Klerk, Tony Martin, and Trenton. Um, I suppose the reason I went with that one is one clear leader in, in Bernal, two super super strong uh, lieutenants in Lulu and Bala, and they can you know they can ride in the valley, ride in the high mountains, two really strong uh, climbing domestiques in De Plus and Cus and two super rulers in Martin and de Klerk. And like I said earlier on, the Swiss Army knife of Ruler, Gregorio, Sprinter, Trenton, he can cover so much for you. I've In your notes uh, that you gave me just on discuss, discussion topics, it says, finally, pick your team for 2019. To yeah, yeah, Bob, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I've... I've when you said at the, the the start for 2020, I thought, have I misread this? So no. I quickly pulled up the notes. And <laughs> no, no. So I've, no. I've kind of picked based on 2019. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Do, go, go. No, that's my that's my boo boo. And if if none of your riders win the, the Tour of France in 2020, you can blame me. But I, I shall stick with it. Um, obviously. My my out and out GC leader is subject to how well he manages to to recover, but but certainly looking at the the news that has been coming out, kitchen knives notwithstanding, he is coming back quicker than than his doctors have anticipated. So I'm going to pick Chris Froome. 
um, two, if not three, loyal domestiques in Egan Bernal um, and Sepkus and Andre Amador. Um, Philip Joubert then, along with Mathieu van der Poel and Remco Evanenpol. And for the, the sprinter type, you know, Swiss Army knife, as, as you put, uh, I'm going to agree with you. And, and Matteo Trentin would be my pick as well. Yeah, I suppose uh, just to point out that Trentin covers off a whole lot of things. He's not necessarily there as a sprinter. As, as, you know, he's not there to win stages. He's there to be up for the sprint. But he's also there because he can ride in the valley. He can ride in the on the flat stages. He can ride. He can get, he can get into a break and you don't have to worry about him. He can he takes the pressure off the team having to ride in the front, and he does so much so well that I think he's really undervalued, and I really do think he's a Swiss Army knife of of riders these days. No, I totally agree with you, and and the reasoning, like yourself, for for putting him in because if you say sprinter, you think well, well Matteo Trentin isn't the best sprinter, but if you're going to put someone like Ackerman or, or, or Sam Bennett or uh, Elia Viviani, the those type of riders. N- would expect, and rightfully so, some support, and that then ch- totally changes your your GC team. You, you, I don't think you can have with eight riders in um, a, a fully focused team on both GC and and sprint stages or, or or green jersey. So that's like like yourself. That's why I've gone for Matteo Trentin, who can win from a sprint, but is super strong all day long if you need them to be. Yeah, I think so note folks thanks for your time scott thanks you for your time and we'll be back shortly probably after the worlds to recap on what we got wrong there <laughs>